Hello, and welcome to IDEA Podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking with Martin Bosmer. Hi, Martin. It's nice to have you with us today. Hi, Sepide. Thank you for having me. Good. Uh, just to give uh, everyone uh, an introduction about Martin, uh, Martin is a scientific advisor to the Swiss Parliament on the topic of biotechnology and environmental technology. He's also a visiting scientist at Leibniz uh, University Hannover, where he works on integrating epistemology and ethics with regularity policy considerations in biotechnology and also translational biomedicine. As primary education, Martin has a dual qualifications, Master of Science in Biology and Master of Arts in History and Philosophy of Knowledge from the University of Zurich and ETH Zurich, respectively. He conducted his PhD at the Center for Ethics and Law of Leibniz University, Hannover, where he worked on legal and ethical aspects of genome editing. So Martin, first things first, uh, we are uh, right into the second wave of COVID-19 uh, across Europe. How do you see the world in the coming months and years and uh, what do you expect to be the main uh, challenges? <laughs> All right. Well, you start with a big question. Um, so first, <laughs> as a disclaimer, I should say that um, I'm not really qualified for that. That's not kind of the the topic of my scientific advice that I give uh, to the Swiss Parliament. And so I can say something, but I need to stress that it's just an educated guess. But well, just so, your personal view. Exactly. So here's my five cents to the topic. Um, so first of all, I've um, worked uh, a while and uh, had a lot of courses in uh, translational biomedicine. That means how, how from an idea in the lab, it is translated to uh, a really working drug, for instance, in the pharmaceutical industry. And the same is true for the vaccine that uh, that is being kind of rushed all over the world for this COVID-19. Uh, and there, um, there is actually a really good video from my lab that already dates back. Uh, my lab is a German YouTube channel um, that already, and it might actually be only available in German. So I don't know if that's helpful <laughs> for this channel, <laughs> but, but actually she, she just the, the host there made an excellent point because um, basically, even if we have this very special process where vaccines are rushed and we already have um, at the beginning of this week had very positive news uh, from BioNTech, um, a German and company Pfizer. and Pfizer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They collaborate on a vaccine. Um, it will still take a while. And that's due to a whole host of reasons. But just um, the main reason being that this, um, these tests, even, even if they are shortened, um, they uh, very often drugs f fail in the last phases or maybe uh, for other reasons when they are kind of sent out to patients, there might still be single occurrences of uh, negative uh, outcomes. And that might not be a really horrible thing, but I am sure that authorities all over the world will not just Rushed, rushed the deployment. So I think that uh, just for, for these kinds of, of safety precautionary reasons of risk assessment, even if the, the authorities really 
uh, and the companies really kind of try to collaborate on rushing the development of a vaccine, I think we will mm -hmm. be mid-2021, that's my guess, when the vaccines go out, first to the people who really need it, because that's... So the, the, the idea is always to also, of, of all regulatory authorities, not only the European ones, but also the, the US ones, to um, go at it like this. Vaccines are kind of safe for everyone, of course, and, but there can always be little um, problems. And these little problems, if you give a vaccine to a healthy person and this person afterwards experiences a little problem, then he or she compares it to the healthy state and it's kind of a detriment, right? Whereas, yeah. and that's why um, you can kind of give a vaccine that has not uh, had a very long history of safe testing first to someone who really has a problem uh, and is a really at risk because if he or mm -hmm. she has, has like a slight, um, uh, you know, a, experience, a slight complication with the vaccine, it's still better than finally dying of COVID, you see. And so um, yeah, I think okay. we will have first the deployment and first much more tests with people who are kind of in a risk group. And that will be yeah. in the first half of 2021. And mm -hmm. I would say that until really everyone and all the kids get vaccinated and this should happen and it will happen um, in Europe and in some other parts of the world, there are also um, a lot of persons who will still remain critical with vaccines, which I personally disapprove of because in the end we need to vaccinate a very big chunk of the population in order to all be safe. But that's another question, yeah. okay? But what yeah. I wanted to say <laughs> is that in the second half of 2021, we will really see a, a wide deployment of the vaccine and not, you know, by Christmas as some say. So that's, that's kind of the one yeah. thing I can say. And then, okay. yeah, and, and so uh, I think all things considered, however, I... I am kind of uh, glad to see that so far, you know, mortality rates all over the world have been low. I mean, it's still a yeah. really tragic thing, but I think uh, we could get through this crisis um, as a stronger, you know, international community after all. And I mean, that's a really Hopefully, lofty yeah. hope, but I, uh, but I do hope this. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, if you compare to the beginning of the last century when we had the Spanish flu, I mean, people died like flies. And now there are really regions and cases that still we have seen all the pictures from Italy, for instance, from the beginning yeah. of the year, where, where yeah. people um, died in high numbers, but it's nowhere near, uh, I mean, just statistically, and it's, it's hard to speak about these things in kind of uh, objective, factual, statistical way. It's every death is a death too many, right? But but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of uh, have the feeling we are that, in a better situation, basically. Yeah, yeah. That 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 the situation can uh, has been weathered uh, quite well, differently. Yeah. In different uh, places of the world, but but I, I I see actually kind of that that it's going up now, and and I think that of course the vaccine in the end will really kind of make the problem go away, but step exactly. by step. Step by step. Yeah, indeed. Thanks a lot, uh, uh, Martin, for uh, sharing your uh, well, you're uh, thoughts on this. Um, so you are working as a scientific advisor to the Swiss Parliament. Uh, could you please explain to us what does it, what does this exactly mean, and uh, what do you do? All right. So yeah, um, politicians 
uh, in the parliament, they make decisions on law, right? That's what the parliament yeah. does. And so they should base their decisions on a sound knowledge base and if possible, based on the newest, you know, solid scientific opinions that are out there and on the newest studies that have been published. And so what I do is basically that um, I am employed by the Swiss state to compile what's called documentations for topics, for political topics mm -hmm. that are being debated right now. So if there is a, a debate on something like uh, a new approach to drugs testing, uh, then mm -hmm. me and others who are experts in this field will try to collect as much information uh, uh, on, on that topic as we can get. And maybe we have also have to invite people who are better experts than we are and actually just make uh, condense this to make a very short, maybe 50 page uh, documentation for politicians. If they want, they can consult it during their debates. And we also provide special kind of um, well, uh, uh, summaries to, for instance, mm -hmm. the, the president of the Commission uh, for Environment that I am working with for uh, right now. And so that, that he really is well briefed on it. And when he starts the discussion, he can also kind of restate the main facts of the problem. And that's how, how you can keep a political discussion, you know, more or less uh, um, at least factual based on the uh, the facts up to date and factual. yes exactly right. but of course the politicians have a lot of reasons for saying what they say and we don't interfere with that <laughs> right it's 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 a preparatory yeah. process and but if anyone wants information we're there <laughs> so yeah yeah i understand i understand so my my next question is um a bit about your background so you study, you, you have a master's degree in, in uh, biology. How come that uh, um, as a biologist, basically, you didn't decide to go work uh, in, in the industry, for example, pharmaceuticals or yeah. uh, something in, in, in that uh, direction? And uh, what do you think is um, uh, the difference between working in, in, in the economy, in industry or uh, and uh, in comparison with uh, working for the states. All right. So I will start maybe <laughs> to say that I didn't always want to work for the state. Um, when I started doing biology um, and I was really interested, hooked on especially evolutionary biology at the beginning of my studies. Mm -hmm. And um, but and and I kind of there was this um, this problem with antibiotics resistance that I, I al yeah. already in high school, I kind of heard about and I thought, yeah, that would be horrible, right? And so there, are yeah. the, there was this uh, um, MRSA problem, multiple resistant Staphylococcus aureus, that's bacteria that, that were going around in uh, Swiss and other European hospitals uh, at the beginning, like around the year 2010, right? When I just started studying. And so um, that, at that time, actually, I wanted to um, found a company and this company uh, ah. should have, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, well, it was kind of more um, a programming thing. I wanted to build a computer program that showed the doctors and of course, doctors and veterinary, veterinary medics and so on would have to buy that program. And we uh, and kind of we would program that in a way that it uh, uses the newest models on how these uh, uh, resistances grow um, 
in order to or uh, on how antibiotic resistance come about. And that's actually an evolutionary process. That's why I started saying with evolutionary biology, basically uh, resistance builds when, for instance, someone, just one of, of many examples, right, does take an antibiotic, but in a too low doses, for instance, or just not long enough, then some of the bacteria that should have been killed by the antibiotic because the dose was not not the right amount, they survive. They get some of it, but they survive and uh, the resistant ones survive, right? And then, of course, yeah. when you reapply the same antibiotic, then it doesn't help anymore because the mutation is already there in this little population of antibiotics. And so you need to go to the next drug. And if then by some accident, uh, you know, some, um, there is the same problem going on that for, uh, because it wasn't taken properly or so also the other antibiotic uh, doesn't help for the same illness that the patient still has, then it's already resistant against two antibiotics, right? And so, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of how it comes about. And the idea would have been of that, that program that I so grandly thought would solve all these problems, <laughs> that, <laughs> that you would say, okay, this hospital, all people from, you know, that suffer, I don't know, bacteria in, of a certain type, for instance, that are only in the nose or so, they would then uh, you know, the doctors would see that now it's clever to give them only to all this antibiotic so that, you know, the, the, the resistance wouldn't evolve. And yeah. then uh, suddenly when you have a tipping point that too many patients have resistance, you would suddenly change everyone to the other antibiotic. And then, you know, the, the bacteria have no chance to kind of cope in their evolution. So that would have been the idea. And, and this brings... That would have been an amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah of course, I didn't know really, but but things like this also happen. But but there is a deeper reason why I'm saying this because actually these kinds of problems are problems that where there is also the need for the state to intervene because actually no one. That's not yeah. how the world works, right? No one says, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, we are going to take the more expensive antibiotics than the other hospital, for instance, because the program tells us to, and then we'll wait until enough people have troubles until we change the antibiotics. I mean, that's not, not how, how it works, right? People don't follow yeah, yeah. this kind of rigorous rules uh, for basically because because of a, a whole number of things, because of economical reasons, but also because you want to give the one patient, it's it's ethical to give him the best possible treatment. And if then it doesn't exactly. matter if for the whole system, it will be better to give him the antibiotic that is maybe less good for him so that the other people wouldn't have the problem of the resistances. No, you need to give him uh, the one. And, and when you start doing that, then it all falls apart, right? The, the, this, this idea wouldn't work anymore. So, so this brought me to kind of go a little bit away from, from biology itself and the research in the lab in biology, because I understood that, yeah, uh, this, I mean, you, you can, I think, I still think it is an incredibly cool thing to develop things in the lab and so on. But, but I, I understood that to me, maybe it's more about implementation of things in society. Yeah, and so, so that's kind of my motivational um, uh, side of the question, yeah. 
Thanks for sharing it, uh, Martin. Um, I go to yeah. my next question. Um, you're doing a PhD at the Center for Ethics and Law in Leibniz University. Could you share your uh, PhD research topic uh, for us and also uh, why did you uh, choose uh, this topic? Yeah, um, so my PhD was actually in European uh, GMO law and uh, uh, so there is kind of GMOs are genetically modified organisms, right? These are organisms that have been changed uh, by or like plants or animals, for instance, that have been changed in the lab. Their DNA has been changed in the lab. And now um, I think that's a very uh, prominent topic. There has been this genome editing, uh, also called the molecular scissors, a new kind of invention a few years back that got the Nobel Prize this year. Mm -hmm. And um, the old laws of European GMO law do not, it is not clear if they apply also to these new techniques. So basically the, the whole definition of what a GMO is was not clear for a while or actually still isn't completely clear. Um, there are, you know, um, uh, there have has been influential court decisions to this question yet, but but the law hasn't been really updated for these technologies yet. And um, maybe, yeah, uh, as I was saying before, you know, a, attaching to to kind of my previous answer, also why why I found this question interesting. Um, I think the biggest challenges that our society will face in the next decades is you know how they can regulate new technologies. And, um, you know, from AI to, as I said, genome editing, gene drives and stuff like that, we can do a yeah. whole host of things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and exactly. you know, the, the, the big question will be, and there are different, really different systems competing worldwide. And I mean, I don't see that as a negative thing, but, but it's still, I think it's just yeah. true, right? If you, if you look at, you know, uh, I guess China versus something super democratic like uh, um, in Europe. And then you have other um, uh, kind of very different uh, systems within the whole democracies. And you have very yeah. uh, also, I mean, yeah, uh, very uh, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, different, different kind of ideas of how how uh, uh, a regulation should be implemented. And I think that especially in the in the future, in the near future, uh, all these, you know, um, uh, all these governments all over the world uh, will, uh, and especially the lawgivers will have to ask themselves, yeah, how can we allow the benefits uh, of technologies to unfold while at the same time avoiding negative consequences, be that social or, or environmental. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the prize question yeah, exactly. for the 21st century. So I, um, so yeah, coming back to my PhD, I tried for this new technology of genome editing to see how current laws apply and also to maybe in a broader vein, vein um, ask the question, how can new technologies be regulated by a process that is um, that really takes long the, the building of new laws and the changing of laws and updating laws. And, and especially I had to, that's maybe more a specialist thing. Um, I had a look at kind of scientific terms that are used in law. And, and if they, if, if that's kind of an option to use more scientific terms in law and, uh, that, that's kind of my oh. specific, um, area. And yeah, I collaborated with lawyers for that. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I think we've got some interesting results. And as a spoiler, however, it's not like I've come up with a real solution for the problem. There are multiple solutions. And I think that one thing one needs to do is no uh, needs to say is that no scientific terms and more science in law doesn't really help, but maybe drafting the laws clear and say what kinds of consequences are we looking at when we do a law and, and, and uh, yeah, instead of implementing exactly kind of the newest terminology every time. So that's my take on it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing it, Martin. It's, it seems very interesting. And uh, yeah, I also personally think that uh, with the advancement in technology, we, as a society, we have to kind of decide on different elements and that how we want to proceed with it. There are some areas that are kind of gray areas and you can just go either direction. And there are there are different sort of consequences yeah, based exactly. on the direction that you go. So, so it's it's really important to think about. Yeah, this and sort of to aspects. me, uh, as and, you uh, just said, mm -hmm. it's. I think that's really important to say, even as much as I am critical of certain things, and as much as I love other things like AI and so on, you know, like. There is there yeah. is just the gray area in everything, and I think you're not doing the job right if you see it as a black and white thing. Because actually, yeah, exactly. that's the, and I think that's the main message. Because people um, who do not think about these questions daily, very often they have like this technology is good and this is bad, and that's kind of not how technologies work. It's it's like the very yeah, exactly. primitive things yeah. like uh, where cars good or bad or where knives good or bad i mean you can do a whole lot of damage yeah. still nowadays with the knife but we've used it kind of safely in the last five thousand word for uh, five thousand years for kitchen <laughs> duty so you know it just yeah. depends where it is and where it is used yeah 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 exactly okay then i'll just go to my yeah. last question martin uh what is next for you what where do you see yourself in, uh, in five years well from now? that's a, a good question i guess <laughs> if i knew exactly um uh yeah that that <laughs> would be also good for me to know but i can reflect on it and i think that um very often uh when you think about uh, these kinds of questions. Um, I feel that um, uh, people do uh, very often think about in in terms of their their CV and the logic next step. And I think I I don't want to do it that way uh, to, to answer the question mm -hmm. right now. But I want to say yeah. Well, um, basically what I do want to do in the end is kind of to uh, um, work on continuing, uh, you know, influence or having, helping with social, social change. And so I think uh, within the next five years, this, this might really still be with the government um, because I'm really enjoying my work. But for me, uh, this can, come in many forms. And also, I mean, at the end, if you think about it, uh, you know, that also when I was working at the universities, it was kind of government work. So, you know, government is also very open. I mean, it, it's you are employed by the state, basically. So that's a very open term. And, yeah. and I think I'll, I'll um, uh, leave it at that. But I think that certainly there are a lot of, um, of options 
especially in between kind of science and maybe in my case, the biotechnology industry and the state, where if these three kind of work productively together, I think uh, there, there would, that would go a long way to solving some of the problems uh, that I've mentioned in this podcast. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Martin. I, I, I really enjoyed talking Likewise, with you. Likewise, yeah. Sure Thank you, Sabine. Also enjoyed. Thanks a lot for, uh, sharing, uh, for sharing your uh, opinion. And uh, hopefully we can uh, have you again. I later. will do that gladly. Okay, thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much, Martin.